how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Ryan Trahan is attempting one of the most difficult challenges YouTube has seen in years. Surviving on a penny for 30 days? That's nuts. Hey, you guys want to buy some soda for me or? No, and then I wanted to take a step even further and post the videos in real time every day for 30 days. What do you think about that? Yeah, crazy Americans. <laughs> Over the last year, he's found massive success by stripping the challenge format down to its bare essentials. 22 million views, 13 million views, 11 million views, 10 million views. It's been crazy. It's been awesome. Let me get into it. Just to run through some of the videos you've made since we last interviewed you. I survived sensory deprivation that has 12 million views. 100 days in the metaverse has over 20 million views. I confronted Dr. Phil, 6.7 million views. I spent 100 days in Grand Theft Auto, 6.5 million views. This feels like a completely just like explosion for you since the last time we interviewed you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been insane. I feel like in the past I was not even acknowledging the idea of what the, the viewer wanted and even what I wanted. It was almost mm. like, okay, I run a YouTube channel and I should do this because the people at the top are doing it. Meaning like retention yeah. is a primary focus, exploiting CTR in any way possible to get like as many views as possible. And it's crazy. I feel like whenever things picked up, I started to slow down, which was like the wildest transformation for me. But I realized whenever the last penny series took off, I was like, oh, I actually took a step back. I made my team smaller. I made the production value lower. I made it more about myself and like all of the, the weaknesses that I have and, and essentially like everything that makes me human. I'm so scared right now. Can I just say that? And it seemed like people really gravitated towards that. And then I asked myself, like, how could I do this with viral concepts? I think that to an extent, I, I took a look at sort of the packaging and what's working and, and, and acknowledged that that is what I have to do. I have to do good titles and thumbnails that grab people's attention. But I think if I were to try to assign something to um, sort of attribute success to the videos and like that viewership is just truly unbelievable to me. It feels like I've, I've tried to focus on just telling the stories in a different way that you, that you would expect when you click on the video. As a specific example, the metaverse video, I spent 100 mm. days in the metaverse, 21 million views. When you come up with that idea, how much of it are you factoring in the value that the viewer is going to get out of it? Because I feel like in your genre, mm -hmm. the challenge genre, yeah. you can feel like easily this is just a title thumbnail for title thumbnail's sake. Right. right. That, like that's why this video was made, not because yeah. there was some intention that the creator wanted to put into the video or have people get out of the video. Yeah, for sure. Man, that that video was crazy. That video was so fun to make. And I totally hear what you're saying. I feel like whenever it comes to creating videos, it's so easy to see a good title and thumbnail and be like, all right, let's just do whatever it takes to make this video and get it up because it's going to do well. Yeah. Um, but with that video, I got so excited because the metaverse was like, I was seeing all these memes come out, like the um, the VR Mark Zuckerberg thing where he like comes and runs out <laughs> yeah, to you. Yeah, it's yeah. like the most horrifying thing yeah. I've ever seen. Like that was so funny to me, but it really like even that video has a connotation of, oh shoot, this is funny, but 
the metaverse low-key is kind of scary. Like, I don't know if I am excited and comfortable with this. And so I thought about the video and this year, like we really just are focusing on, and by we, I mean, Zach Preston and me, my team's two other people. They're here. I'm not sure if we're showing them. <laughs> Hi, uh, Zach, we, Preston. we have a strict no team policy. That oh, we don't show. Yeah, okay. they're, gonna, they're actually going to have to leave. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> like blurring no. their faces. Yeah. <laughs> their voices are um, all deep now. <laughs> all right. I'm Preston. Um, we basically have a vision this year and it's like, how can we say something like what are we doing here if not to contribute to society in some way Mm -hmm. like that's what all art does it's it's supposed to have a message it's supposed to have a purpose and so that's what the metaverse video was it was this is a topic that we're interested in how do we feel about this topic like is this something that we're excited about is this something that we think is scary and what story can we tell if we spend 100 days in it and that's what it was we went we went in there with the idea that we're probably going to meet some weird people. We know <laughs> yeah. that. And we did. Yeah. We met yeah, some yeah, weird yeah. people in there. Yeah. You're beautiful. Oh, gosh. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm married. Um, but at the same time, are there redeeming elements? Like, can I find a friend in here? Clay, what's up, dude? What's up, buddy? Long time no see. <laughs> and what are some things that we can observe over my real life? Like, there's there's a lot of sort of Easter eggs in that in that video. And it's kind of fused between, like, reality and knowing we wanted some messaging. Like if you look at the video, there's a plant in the background that just slowly dies throughout the whole video. And that's supposed to represent like how your real life is going to suffer at Mm. the end of the day, if the metaverse becomes your primary focus and even relationships will suffer. And obviously that is definitely like intentional, um, but it also just happens naturally. If you just watch the video, like you just see things like the way that I interact with people in real life in the metaverse, uh, you can't interact with someone when you have a headset on, <laughs> like yeah, not right. in, not in real life in a genuine way. So it's really cool to see how it came out. And I think people really felt it. Even if I didn't spell out what I was trying to say, it was, it was felt by the end of the video. So why do you think at that scale people are reacting to your content? Like 20 million people are reacting to your content like that. Like, what do you think are the ingredients that, that allow it to reach that many people? It's honestly insane. I can't like sit here and act like I know what I'm doing fully. So sure. I, I just say this and I hope everyone takes it with, with a grain of salt, but I think that our focus is our motto for this year's redemptive work. And basically what that means is, yeah, like creating restoration in people's lives mm-hmm. rather than essentially trying to get views to make profit. And there's exploitative work and there's redemptive work. And I feel like YouTube inherently is exploitative. Yeah. Like retention, you can exploit that. You can mm-hmm. exploit people's tendencies to stay if you do this and that. Or you can make the, the storyline something that is literally actively energizing them and making them think about what their perspectives are and adding to their lives. And so it's crazy how you can, you can have the same outcome with the two. I think that that's what it is. How did you land on becoming more purpose-driven in the content? Yeah. How did that happen? Was that something that existed before or like, you know, cause you've made a lot of different types of YouTube content. Yeah. So many. And <laughs> so and, yeah, many yeah, yeah. It's almost like you could have a career for a long time and not even realize what you've been doing over, over the course of like several years. Like you can, you, I think it's a privilege to be able to even try to pivot your perspective and your relationship with work. Like, I think that's something that is a massive privilege. And I kind of started this year and I was like, if I keep going down the path I'm going on, which primarily prioritizes money views, not necessarily prioritizing the audience, which like every YouTuber cares about their audience. And I think everyone wants to like support their audience, make great videos but to a certain extent, 
they they are like they're watching because you're making money. You're making videos because you're making money. Mm. And so I realized if I want to do this for a long time, which I love making YouTube videos, it's so fun. It's such a fun job. I realized I need to focus on what allows me to be fired up for the next video. Not worried about what I'm going to be doing two years from now, five years from now. What's going to fire me up for this next project? And it really comes down to that like passion, like even the thumbnail, like that metaverse thumbnail. We went to a studio, like we got a black backdrop. We were so just passionate. It's the most simple photo (laughs) if you look at it. But I obsessed over that and I obsessed over every second of that metaverse video because I loved it and I felt like I was making it with passion. And if I wasn't, it, video wouldn't have been nearly as good. People probably wouldn't have been impacted by it nearly as much. So something really interesting about your thumbnails, and we were speaking with you yesterday about this, yeah. is that realism is really important to you. Yeah, and that is not necessarily the YouTube meta. Like that's mm-hmm. not really what's fully happening across YouTube. Right. Realism. Mm-hmm. How much do you think about that? Care about that? Where the the brand of being a creator goes? Yeah, that's. I think it's super important. I think for a while, it's something that I thought was just a, like assigned to me. Like the idea of, oh, I'm if I want to be a creator, I have to be like Mr. Beast and ZHC. Like I have to have a logo as my channel mm-hmm. name and my channel like profile picture. And I actually did that. I like changed my profile picture to a, like an eyeball. <laughs> what does that even mean? What, is, what does an eyeball have to do with me? Um, and I did it because I was like, uh, I was thinking it's one of those correlation is not causation type of situations where I was like looking at the top and, and seeing what they do, not realizing that I'm a, just a human being. I'm like not planning to build an empire. I don't want to build an empire or anything. I, I just want to connect with people and make videos I love. And so it is important to be intentional. Like I think about even how fonts communicate to people. Like I, I changed my font from being somewhat more corporate to something that's like so normal. That's just on everyone's computer. Mm-hmm. And it just feels more like me. And I think that like if creators can find those little things, like what song just feels like me? What mm. font feels like me? What video feels like me? And it comes down to realism too, like with the thumbnails. And I found that realistic thumbnails just feel like me. It feels like, mm. yeah, if my face is not like, <gasps> Then yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. more connected to the to the thumbnail yeah. if I'm just making a very subtle face that's like because right. it's realistic and I'm like oh that's that's legit. That's I think cool that's why also the concepts that you do are rooted in realism. Like mm. they don't feel sensational. Mm-hmm. The titles might be somewhat sensational. Like yeah. you're doing something like I spent you know 24 hours in in the world's quietest room or right. loudest room. Like that's kind of like a there's a superlative there. Yeah. Right. That that fits into what performs on YouTube. Then when you watch it, a lot of it is rooted in the relationship you have with the guy who runs the <laughs> the room, right? right? Or like the people you meet. You've done such a good job of creating characters out of those yeah. people. One of my absolute favorites is the underwater hotel. Yes, it's so fun. The Daniel. guy you meet, yeah, what's his name? Daniel, sweet Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, sweet Daniel. Hello. Hello. Have dinner. No Have way. Fun. Now, another thing is in your sensory deprivation video, mm-hmm. you also showed this moment of really vulnerable, raw emotion. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the decision of keeping that in or, or not keeping that in? Yeah. Uh, and explain the, the, the moment as well. Yeah, that was wild. So I, I got in the sensory deprivation tank. It's like a three hour process. It's like the longest they'll let you do it. And, you know, I, for the most part, I was focused on filming the video, which is something that I think I'm trying to I'm trying to understand and like outgrow like the idea of how can I have a real experience here while also capturing it. I think that's like a really interesting topic. But with this uh, situation, like the first hour, I was kind of almost just focused on like, all right, make sure the camera's good, make sure the audio's good. Mm-hmm. 
And then hour two, I kind of got more relaxed and it was also becoming more and more deprived of senses. Like at first <laughs> it was lights and, and right. floating and sound. And then, uh, hour two, I turned off the lights, So it was just floating and sound hour three. I actually put earplugs in. So it was just floating. Like those earplugs were crazy. Those are <laughs> some nice earplugs. And I had a moment in there where I actually felt like I had these like recessed memories about my grandmother. And just like the last time I felt super, super still. And it was just taking a nap with her one summer when in like mm-hmm. 2008, when I was just super young and it was wild because I literally started crying. Like I started bawling. And it's so funny because Zach helps edit the videos. And normally I'll like help talk. I'll like kind of talk to him through the video. I'm like, dude, yeah, that was funny. Like, that was cool. We should mm-hmm. definitely like put down the video. And with that, I felt so uncomfortable because I knew Zach was going to watch it. And I was like, <laughs> I just didn't say anything for like five minutes. <laughs> I was like, anyways. <laughs> um, and so we actually talked about it afterwards. Yeah. And he was like, dude, we should put this in the video. And so it's really crazy because I feel like to an extent, I, I do have a vision for what the video is supposed to turn out like, but we realize those are the moments we crave, even yeah. like off camera and a human level, we crave those like real yeah. emotions, real conversations. And so that was a huge like turning point to me to realize like, I'm a human being, like yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a YouTube channel, but those are the moments that matter. And so many great comments came from that. Just like uh, empathizing with me and people sharing their experiences the last time they felt still or like how their grandparents impacted their lives. So it was super cool. I think that's where you found this middle ground between like a vlog or mm-hmm. what used to be a, a vlogging format where right. we're just really getting to know someone mm-hmm. with what's happening in YouTube right now, which is these idea-based videos that right. are almost like sensational ideas. Um, but most of YouTube, I think, is the sensational idea with an unrealistic portrayal of mm. how it goes down, like a non-realistic portrayal. Right. You're about to embark on something brand new for the channel. Yes. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about this. So talk to us about this next chapter of the channel. Yes. So I think that we're kind of looking at it as a cycle. We're like, wow, we just poured everything into this one cycle of content. It was like six videos, but what do we want to do now? Like, what does my heart actually feel passionate about creating? And it's, it's, it's kind of crazy because I was like, you know what? I have this idea. I can't stop thinking about it. I keep telling myself it's crazy. I shouldn't do it. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And it is a surviving on a penny for 30 days. So I've done it for a week in the past and that's nuts. But I also wanted to take a step further and cross America in 30 days on a penny. Jimbo, I'm gonna deliver you a penny in like a month, hopefully, okay? And then I wanted to take a step even further and post the videos in real time every day for 30 days. We are one day down, like two miles across America, but I have a lot in store for tomorrow. I have a huge game plan and guess what? I'm daily vlogging, so I'll see you in the morning. So daily vlogging in 2022 um, with a series that was very fun and successful in the past. And the ultimate goal is to raise a million meals with Feeding America. Um, it's like I try to use something, try to do something with my platform once a year. Yeah. And so this is our biggest goal yet, uh, but it feels exciting. Like my heart is just like so pumped. And uh, yeah, we're probably in it right now. If you guys are watching. You're in it. I wonder what's happening. I wonder. Yeah. I hope it's good. <laughs> Las Vegas. It is so hot here. I think it's one of the most ambitious challenges yes. uh, that YouTube has seen in a long time. That's crazy to hear. Truthfully, it, like when I look back to what Casey Neistat did with daily vlogging, you look yeah. at that body of work and it just it seems insane. Yeah. Right. But totally. then to layer on top of that, this format that you have of trying to survive 
on just a penny. Yeah. It's unbelievably difficult. Then also traveling across the country. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. I think whenever I did it for a week, it was, and I can sit here and say things are hard. Like at the end of the day, this is not my reality. Like this experience is not my reality. And so I think I'm very encouraged just by understanding that like seeing what Feeding America has done in my community. Like there's a local food bank, Central Texas Food Bank. And man, it's so cool to see what they do. And with this series, I think what's really, really exciting is like, I'm going to be energized by the audience the whole time. Whereas last time I pre-filmed the seven days just by mm. myself. And then I edited it and then posted it. And it was just kind of like, here you go, guys. Like the outcome's already done. But this is happening in real time. So I'll be able to read comments. Like whenever, you know, I'm having a, a long day or whatever. And just be like, dang. All right. If I upload another video... We get more donations and mm. I get to keep going. And so that's it's cool. such a fun motivation because it's alive. And I feel like that's what made me want to do this is I do feel like creators have the responsibility to innovate in some sort of way or even just like try something new. Because if not, we're just going to sit here squeezing the same old, same old. And the audience is going to mm -hmm. suffer. The platform's going to suffer. Right. And I felt this like, you know what, this is I hope this makes people's summers feel alive. Like, that's my dream with this is like, come spend time with me while we do something cool. So how do you prepare both mentally and logistically <laughs> for this type of thing? Uh, very poorly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, um, you know, we I've been preparing mentally just, you know, with talking to Haley, making sure this is something I really want to do. And ultimately it is. It's something I I feel um, I have every resource to do. You know, I feel like the, the compulsion to do it just out of. Um, you know, like a responsibility to the platform. And then in terms of logistic preparation, these guys are going to be helping me make the videos. So Preston's going to help me film. Zach's going to help edit. And by help, I mean, he's going to be grinding in that editing <laughs> layer. Who knows yeah. what for like how many hours a day, but he's going to be pumping out the edits so I can just fully focus on doing this for real. And um, yeah, like we made all 30 thumbnails beforehand, which is something that feels like the only way this would have worked because I love thumbnails and I don't want yeah. them to just be like selfies yeah. like who knows where so can you talk about that process of yeah. how you even came up with these thumbnail ideas and how can you ensure that they're going to fit what happens along the way when you yeah. don't know what's going to happen along the way yeah for sure i've been kind of coming back to colin's like realistic thumbnails yeah. i've done this i've done a penny series i think it's like my seventh one like i've had a few different variations like it's summer of my senior year of high school turn a penny into a thousand dollars funniest thing to watch it was just like me buying and selling video games basically and it's it's very chill um those thumbnails were like pretty solid and I, I figured out ways to make money doing that and then i've done five other series and you just figure out ways to make money with this whole penny thing and so we asked ourselves like what are some ways i might make money during this series probably will make money during the series and we just made thumbnails for them and so it's cool because we have 30 thumbnails and instead of waking up and me like not having a strategy and being like oh my gosh, what am I going to do today? I'm in like Missouri and I don't know how to make money. I have a, a thumbnail that is a money-making method that I could be like, all right, we can use this thumbnail next. I'm going to go do this and I'm going to make right. some money. And so it's kind of this like um, reverse engineering where the thumbnail's done and now I just have to go do it mm. instead of like, I did it. Oh, let's make a thumbnail, I guess, about this. And yeah. then you're like scrambling and the thumbnail's right. probably going to be whack. And so- it's, it's kind of liberating and very, like a huge relief for this series. So you have 30 thumbnails, but it's not like they're in a specific order right now, right? right? Like you can mix and match depending on what happens during the day, what totally. challenge you want to undergo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And okay. there's some that are vague enough and like broad enough to where it'll make sense on any video. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's a lot of flexibility there, but some of them are specific and yeah, we'll apply those to the videos where it, it Did works. Did it just so happen that 
the penny is going extinct or did that inspire the series? I just found out about this, Samir. I'm upset. That's crazy. <laughs> it's actually crazy. I found out about this last week and we're like preparing for this whole thing. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's amazing though. This yeah. is like the kind of like final hurrah, like yeah. the, the ode to pennies <laughs> yeah. for all of America. I don't, I don't know if you want to go that direction, yeah. but you definitely could go a save the penny direction. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think like understanding the internet today yeah. could really explode in yeah, a crazy sure. way. I know. I was thinking like, should we make that the campaign? But I realized I'd just rather people donate. Totally. So, yeah. 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 I figured like instead of but making it up. It's it, such a fun narrative to play around with yeah. and to have like local news pick this type of stuff up yeah. and, and people be really excited about it that mm -hmm. you're doing something with a penny that like soon will no longer exist. Exactly. Yeah. That it, to it, me is really cool. It's really cool because it does feel very necessary. Like, oh my gosh, the penny's going away. And also it's really funny because the whole goal is to like give Mr. Beast a penny. Right. And mm -hmm. no way he has one. Dude's got only Benjamin's yeah. in <laughs> his wallet. <laughs> right. And so yeah. it's a, you know, we're also giving him one of them before they go away. So that's mm. fun. And that feels like a very sincere <laughs> motivation. That's pretty funny. Do, and, you know, is Jimmy in on it or? Yeah, he it, knows. Okay. He knows. He got it. That I'm showing up, hopefully. <laughs> I'm coming, coming to your house. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, I'm coming to your house. Yeah. What so. if you get there and he's like, no, I already got one. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. believe it. It's okay. fake. It's fake. <laughs> it's fake. There's no way it's a real penny. <laughs> what do you hope the outcome is at the end of the series to the Ryan Trahan brand, the yeah. channel, the community? Like, what is the transformation from before the series starts to after? Wow. I, I honestly, if we raise a million meals, that's a win. That's like number one for me. I feel like last year we did $50,000 in donations uh, for Central Texas Food Bank, which is local. And now we're doing the, the Feeding America, which has like so many food banks uh, nationwide. So this is a $100,000 goal. So we can reach $100,000 in donations using my platform. I just can't fathom that people, you know, like trust me enough to do something meaningful with the platform. And so that's a win. That's number yeah. one. Mm -hmm. But I also like from a creative perspective, I hope it is successful so that other creators feel like a sense of permission. Like I'm mm. going to try to do something like maybe a conceptual daily vlog will become a thing. Right. I think that's fun. I'm, gonna, I'm taking a big old break afterwards and just try to figure out what's next. But I think that, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the donations would be a win and hopefully does something to the platform creatively. On the creative side, I think it's, it's interesting because People may say, oh, well, you've got 7 million subscribers. Of course mm. you can take right. a risk. But right. I actually think sometimes uh, there's a lot more fear involved in yeah. taking a risk once you do have an established platform and an yeah. established career. Like mm -hmm. we took so many risks early on because you're so naive and in a way you have nothing to lose. Right, for right? sure. So it's actually also about inspiring career creators who yeah. have like, you know, a significant platform and totally probably have a set format that they can innovate, which I think yeah. is really exciting because it'll be cool to see does this have an impact? Are there certain creators who start mm -hmm. to yeah. shift? Yeah. I've seen a lot of people say that like YouTube's stale right now. I Isaiah Fono yeah. said that. He said, yeah. he said YouTube's really stale. That's what I, I felt that. And yeah, at the end of the day, we could have kept going. We could have kept uploading two videos a month, but we felt stale. We felt like uh, we're going to be squeezing this if we keep doing this. And at the end of the day, like things are very cyclical. I imagine us having like a few cycles every year where we try something new and maybe we go back to uploading two videos a month after this. But right now it would have felt ingenuine. It would have felt exploitative for us to keep doing what we were doing. And we're like, this, this excites us. Yeah. We yeah. need, we need to do this so I can be honest with myself about having a long-term career I have to be able to take these opportunities and go for it, you know.
it feels like to me a lot of this also has to do with the pace of putting out videos right now for mm -hmm. you, which is drastically different from a lot of other creators' pace. Right. And I think pace and output right now is something I'm really intrigued about because mm. you're putting out less content, but having a lot more success to when you were putting out more content. Yeah. Even, you know, when we look at Jimmy, uh, Mr. Beast, like he's put out three videos this whole year. Yeah. So like on his main channel, mm -hmm. what do you think about the pace of putting out content and the difference between being in a more regular upload cycle versus now? Totally. Yeah. I think I always use this analogy because it just makes sense to me, but Tom Brady, I'm actually a big NFL fan. I recently got back into it. Oh, wow. okay, I cool. like the worst team in the NFL, the Houston Texans. Sure. H-Town, hold it down. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, I know about the Houston they, Texans. Yeah. Number, they're the third worst team in yeah. the NFL. Okay. The Lions, I guess. Everybody likes yeah. an underdog story. Right, yeah. right. But, you know, Tom Brady is obviously the greatest quarterback of all time. And their Man of the Arena came out, just sort of a documentary about him. And... Not that YouTubing is athletic or like, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a, a similar career, but I think there are elements of it where you have to come back year after year. Yeah. Uh, you kind of perform at a high level. Like that's the expectation. And with Tom Brady, if you look at his career, he is literally the greatest athlete of all time. Also in Michael Jordan or LeBron James. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know guys. Yeah. Um, and just easy what you say. Yeah. You know? yeah, just, I'll, yeah. Take, I'll take it back a notch. Um, but you look at his career and he hasn't had an MVP season every year. He's mm -hmm. had some pretty mediocre years, but he just keeps coming back year after year. And he has the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. He has the opportunity to be the MVP of the season. And he's just very, very consistent. He takes care of himself. He, he, he loves the game. And I had asked myself, like, with that in mind, how do I keep coming back season after season? And part of that is just slowing down the pace because if I can make these videos with love and make them with passion, it's going to translate. I'm going to have more time with my family, with Haley, my wife, and I'm going to be happy because if it's once a week, I'm on a treadmill that I cannot sustain. And I'm like completely burned out and it's not normal to not have off time. Like they even get an off season. That's like six months. Right. And so, yeah, like I, I think I look at it that way where like, if I want to do this for 20 years, which I would love, it's such a fun thing to do. Um, I think I need to slow down the pace and two videos a month has been that for now. <laughs> Did that realization come all at once? Like in that moment of realizing you haven't been still for a while, like, was that the yeah. moment that you sort of flipped a switch there? Or how did, how did that shift come about? Because I feel like even from our shoes as creators, it's, mm -hmm. it's a shift that, is very aspirational mm -hmm. to go to that type of output where it's less but better, less yeah. but more intentional. But there's a lot mm -hmm. of fear wrapped up in making that move. <laughs> right. So how it's did you scary. come to that decision? You know what's scary? It's scary because of comparison. Like I think it's scary to slow down because your peer who's also started at the same time of you as you, who has the same subscriber count, is not slowing down. And you have to like look at that and, and ask yourself, is my career gonna be less successful if I slow down? And that's like the challenge that we all face with that. But I think the reason that I sort of made this transition is, is through realizing like I'm done striving, which is so anti-YouTube, anti-business, anti-success. Mm. I'm like, I'm done striving because if I'm striving, that's where all burnout has stemmed from. That's where my worst videos have stemmed from. And I was like, if, if I can just stop treading water and flailing, I can actually maybe make a good video. <laughs> and so that's what I realized. I was like, you know what? I'm going to slow down the pace because whatever it takes for me to make 100 videos out of love, I'll do it. And if that means I'm in it for eight years versus two more years, then I think that's a good deal. 
I think that's a great deal. So I think it's all about not striving and being okay with it and cheering people on instead of comparing yourself to them. And found a lot of freedom in that for sure. I, one, another thing that I, I've been really impressed with, with you, and I think maybe something that has allowed you to explore pivots and, and transitions yeah. is you've kept your overhead low. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning like your videos, you know, like typically a lot of creators right now who are doing more of these, you know, ideas in mm-hmm. their, in their concepts are investing more and more. And there's a culture of like, I'm investing a ton of money into these yeah. videos. Right. Yeah. How have you approached that? Because you, you're literally doing like a video that's a, with a penny or like things that just don't cost as much money, right. which I think also adds to the realism of, mm-hmm. oh, this is something that in theory I could do also. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how has that like, you know, the investment into the videos or not, uh, how has that played into your ability to, to move and be more nimble? Yeah, it's so funny. I was like thinking of a mission statement this weekend yeah. as an exercise for our channel. And it was, uh, you could probably do this, but I did. So yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. really good. That's it. Like, I, like I think that. that's yeah. literally represents me. And uh, it's so funny because like even the metaverse video, we didn't even buy that Oculus. Like that's a kid I know that I used to be neighbors with. Mm-hmm. It's his Oculus. So we gave it back to him after it, after the video. And it's crazy because I think we are sort of trained to like, uh, we have amazing role models. Like I look up to people like Mr. Beast. He created a market that I, that yeah. I benefit from. You know, he's, he's so incredible and inspiring. I look up to so many people that are just reinvesting into their videos. So I don't think we should look at that as like a negative thing or a bad thing. I think everyone has their own style of creating. But for me, I found the, the best videos come from me just doing things that are accessible to me. And like even walking a hundred miles and metal detecting the beach. That's something I literally always wanted to do as a kid. I was like, if I could go to Florida, I would, I would do that because we're going to find treasure. And, I, mm-hmm. and we did it. We didn't, we found like broken AirPods. So that was right. cool. And yeah. a lot of okay. coins. That's treasure. Yeah. That's treasure to me. Yeah. And um, that was crazy because it's literally like something that people are like, I, I would do that. Mm. Like it's not outside of the realm of possibility right. that I would do that with my week off. Mm. but you, no one really wants to do it. It's not really worth doing at the end of the day, but um, I find that really empowering and I find it exciting. Just the mundane things, like even the Penny series, the idea of going out and like selling soda. Why is that so entertaining? And I'm not like being frozen alive in a sure. video, yeah. <laughs> but like, why do I enjoy watching this dude like sell soda? It's because what I like to watch, it's, it's real, it's fun. So another thing that has happened since uh, we talked last is you passed Dr. Phil and subscribers. And you, Sorry, made doctor. A, and you made a <laughs> video meeting Dr. Phil, yeah. uh, which is one of my favorite videos you've made. There's so much in that video. I just mentioned to you before we started recording, one of the most unique parts of that is when you just run into Jeff Wittick. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, can you record real quick? Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. All right, guys, so we're getting pretty close to the studio, so we're just going to keep walking. And hand him the camera, but don't acknowledge him at all. That's and then so the video funny. just carries on. Yeah. But even like the dynamic between you and Dr. Phil, mm-hmm. there's... Like you mentioned, it's comedy. And then there's like real advice from Dr. Phil and like emotional impact from the things he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Which was an unexpected turn. Totally unexpected. For me as a viewer. You're a filmmaker. You're just doing it on YouTube. And it's obvious that there's a lot of work going into the planning, the execution, the editing, the distribution, the thumbnails. So yeah, I'm really proud of that. Oh, Dr. Phil, I appreciate it so much. Yeah. The emotion I felt in that video was completely unexpected. I thought I was just going to laugh. And then it was like an emotional experience. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about that experience of like achieving that goal and what that that was was like? That was so weird. It was like, I mean, Dr. Phil's very busy. 
we set out this goal and I almost like wouldn't recommend trying to set out on a goal that you haven't already validated as possible <laughs> because sure. I know like sure. it, it was just very unlikely that he was really going to follow through. And it's not even on his end. It's just like, who is this guy? What is this YouTube guy saying? Like, what is he talking yeah. about? Why does he want to be my grandson? It's like a weird <laughs> long story. Um, but yeah, like he, he ended up following through and he was so cool. Like his team was so cool. And I went there and I had no prior contact with Dr. Phil. I was like, like he was like, the team was like, um, Dr. Phil's on his way. Make sure you're recording because he doesn't do things twice. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I just like, I literally went in there. Everything in the video was literally the first. We had no conversations after either. It was just like, we go in there, we do the interview and he comes out with this like super kind hearted, like Ryan, you're a filmmaker. And I said, well, thank you, Dr. Phil. And it was actually really sweet. And it felt like the perfect ending. Like he, he didn't agree to be my grandpa, but that would have been weird right. for me to ask that. Yeah. It would have actually been weird. But he yeah. was was grandfatherly. He was. He was. And that's the real, that's yeah. like the more genuine ending, I think. Mm -hmm. I thought that was actually so kind. Like his words meant a lot to me. I used to watch him all the time growing up. And yeah. so that was, it was cool just to see like we set out on this like pretty dumb idea and, it, and the audience rally behind it. And it was, it was fun. Like it wasn't really that groundbreaking or like world changing, but it was just like, that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I think it shows me that you can find authentic meaning in so many different types of experiences. For sure. I, I even feel that with a lot of our guests. You know, there mm -hmm. are some times where we book a guest that I actually don't know that much about. Yeah. And I have to do a little bit of research. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't guarantee to anyone that there will be tons of value or that it will be super right. interesting. But then every time we sit down with right. someone... We go really long, hour yeah. and a half, two hours, yeah. and I could go for another four. Crazy, like truly, man. I find these people so interesting mm -hmm. and it never fails. Right. Yeah. I think that's even tying into what you're talking about, like with Daniel. And that's what I get excited about when making videos. It's like the people you walk by on the street are probably way more interesting than I am. And they probably have a way better heart and way better like uh, take on life than I could possibly give over and over in the videos. And so like what y'all do is so fun because you get to talk to people and hear their perspective. And I, I think we're just super excited about the prospect of like trying to highlight the everyday person because you will get inspired by literally anyone because everyone's been through a lot and everyone's got a perspective that could change your life. So it's super fun. Do you think there's any dangers to the Mr. Beastification of YouTube? Hmm. Yes. And not that Mr. Beastification, I think it's a glorious thing. I think, like I said, he's created a market that I directly benefit from. He's created a market yeah. that so many people like have careers from. Like people are employed by the market that he created. Like mm -hmm. people's, people are eating because of it. And mm -hmm. I think he, his path is like incredible. But I think that by Mr. Beastification, I'm seeing that as I can't be inspired anywhere else. And that's a lot of weight on Jimmy too. Like yeah. mm. that he's like literally next upload has to be the most innovative thing in the world. It has to be the, a, another leg up. And it's almost like, I feel like preventing him from potentially mm, uh, asking himself what's next because yeah, yeah like it, it's always being reaffirmed by the entire platform. Like mm. the entire platform is reaffirming like, yes, this is the path we are all on mm. and therefore we will keep doing it. And right. you know, Jimmy, like that'd be a lot. Imagine he tried yeah, to pivot yeah. in any direction. Right. Oh my. Oh my yeah. gosh. I yeah. think the only thing that uh, would be a, a strong, uh, sad outcome is if we limit our own potential and our own genius and our own unique traits because we're so busy looking elsewhere. And mm. I think that's, 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 the, that's the biggest thing that would be a failure out of Mr. Beastification. But there's a lot of good that comes out of it, for sure. Yeah. That's great. 
You mentioned that a lot of content on YouTube is um, exploit. Is that exploitative. Exploitative. That's, that's, that's how you said it. That's how you said it. We're just not being what you said. Don't run it back. Your, your words, not mine. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads itself to people replicating the same video, especially yeah. in what you know what we refer to as the challenge genre. Mm-hmm. The like, I did X for twenty four hours. Yeah. I'm buried alive. I'm you know th- these types of challenges that you're putting yourself through. It seems like a lot of creators look at a challenge that works mm. and they're like. Okay, mine. Oh, that mine. works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna do that too. And then, what you start to notice is like thumbnail design is the is the thing that shows up as like direct copies, right? I think there's a difference between copying and being inspired by uh, someone for sure. Like, I actually, I don't really feel any ownership over any of my ideas. Mm. I think I don't feel, I feel very little ownership over my thumbnails because they're just like the strategy behind them is very inspired by just. A mosaic of people, you know, yeah. but I think what's, what feels the only thing that ever has felt hurtful. Like I've actually not even experienced it myself, but I've seen people that just essentially take the photo and put, you know, someone else's face on it. Yeah. Right. I think that's can be hurtful because like for us, like we are super passionate about the thumbnail. Like it's something we, we sketch and then we, we put work in to make it look that way. And whenever it feels like someone else is using it ex- exploitatively, it does feel like, dang, man, like they're, they're reaping the reward of something that was actually made out of love. And it's, it's just like a tough, tough scene there, but it happens. And I, I don't feel any ownership over anything because I, I get inspired by people and um, yeah. you just have to make it your own. I think it's also probably more noticeable on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, imitation is such a part of TikTok. Right. With hashtags. It's like the same. culture. Yeah, it's yeah. just the culture yeah. of it. And and if all of those people had to come up with an original image to represent the TikTok <laughs> that they were yeah. following a trend with, we'd be like, what's wrong with this platform? Yeah, Why is everyone boring. using the same image yeah, with their yeah, face yeah. in it? Right, right. But YouTube, obviously, like you have to have this cover art for what you're doing. Totally. So yeah. You're and more likely to notice yeah, it's, it. Like, it's louder on YouTube because of that. But also sure. the videos are harder to make. And the yeah. ideas are harder to come up with, I think. Yeah. I think what's crazy is that you can build a career. Like it's possible to yeah. build a career just looking at what's working and almost exactly doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's a strange thing, but I guess that's with a lot of, that's like tech apps. Yeah. I guess it happens in, yeah. in all kinds of places, but you're right. There's no rules or regulations around it. Yeah. Um, but I also agree with you that it's very hard to have an original idea. That's mm-hmm. like that may or may not exist totally. uh, because we're all, we have so many inputs. Right. Um, and for all of us who spend a lot of time on YouTube, those are our inputs. Totally. Yeah. I think so. for a lot of creators too, they're on a path towards finding purpose mm-hmm. for us. We've copied a lot of different types of formats. Mm-hmm. We've, for sure. we've probably copied some thumbnails like along so our many, journey. Like for constantly sure. copying sure. like yeah. all the time. Yeah. But yeah. we yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there was like a lack of purpose in some of those videos. Like yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. not fully, but like not enough to keep us making those videos. Right. And now we've landed in a place where we feel like we have purpose. Right? Yeah. So, and yeah. I think a lot of creators are going through that, that. Yeah. Yes, you can build a career off of like copying and imitating formats. Yeah. But is it the career that you want? I feel like it is a, a natural arc. Like when you're a small town kid and you have a dream of being a YouTuber, you're not going to be like the most genius person in the world on the platform and like first upload, everyone's like, oh, that's insane. Like you're literally inspired by the people you watch. And so I think it's it's respectable to get started by being inspired and potentially even copying people just to see like, hey, what does a, an audience think about my yeah. videos and mm-hmm. what do they think about me and what did they like about this? But I think it really is actually a disservice to yourself and your potential if you don't ask yourself, like once you kind of get to a, a comfortable position, like 
who am I? And like, what do, what is my vision and Mm -hmm. what is my genius and what can I provide to this platform that no one's ever seen before and take what I've learned, but also take the torch and go farther. And I think that's like what a lot of people will, you know, might, might be doing a disservice to themselves. I agree. I think you have to like reverse engineer concepts. Like that's what we did when we were kids. I mean, at least for me, I watched movies and I was like, let's try and make that scene. Yeah. And you just do it with the constraints you have. And then you're like, oh, that was fun. I learned how to use the camera better. I learned mm-hmm. how to edit better. Right. I learned. You have to have these prompts um, to actually get started. Totally, yeah. And it's something that you did, like you had a React format at <laughs> one did. point, right? Like you were doing content that was more prevalent on YouTube. Do you feel like that helped you? Like you don't do that content anymore. No, but did that help you get to where you are today? Like, is that something that gave you the reps of like, this is who I am on camera. Or this is who I'm not. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I was like a huge Cody Co fan, Dan right. Gonzalez fan. Still yeah. love those guys. And like we would be, I was in college and we would be eating dinner, just watching these videos and be like dying laughing, like food yeah. is flying out of our right, mouths. Right, right, right. Like just loved watching these videos. And it is a situation where like, what if I tried to do this? Yeah. yeah. And one of the first times I did it, it, it was a video about Lauren Gray. Bless her heart. I feel so bad about that video. Lauren, <laughs> bless yeah. your heart. Lauren Gray, yeah. you're so sweet. Um, but I, I like made a comedy video uh, and it got like 10 million views. Oh my God. What the heck? Lauren Gray, the real life Barbie. Look at this shit. I can't, I can't make this up. Like, I'm not a funny person. Why do people think this is good? It was highly edited. I like found out kind of my editing style that way. And... I will say this is what we talk about. I, I, don't, I think Marcus Brownlee kind of mentioned how mm-hmm. going viral could be like the worst thing that happens yeah. to you. And I think it was a situation where I felt like people were like, um, they wanted more of this like edgy Ryan. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. I'm like yeah. low key, like a super wholesome, normal <laughs> dude. Like I don't really like to try yeah. to, you know, even talk about anyone at all. Yeah. And so I did that for like a year and I went from like 20,000 to a million subscribers with the commentary videos. And it's crazy because I, I remember sitting in my office and I was about to film another one. And I was like, I can't do this. I, I don't want to just sit in my office and critique people as mm-hmm. my life. That's not something I want to do. And it wasn't even, it wasn't restorative. It was just making people laugh at someone else. And I think other commentary creators do a much better job than I was doing at the time. It was just what was working. And it's crazy uh, looking back on that, but it did give me that, like, uh, it it gave, it helped me build my identity on the internet and got me comfortable with the camera, talking to an audience. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I pivoted away and that's my story. And that's like how I got started. And I think it's all about like, okay, yeah, how do you get started? But then what do you do afterwards? Mm -hmm. And what is your legacy? Like how, like you come to a 10 year career and there's, it's a mosaic. It's just constant pivots for me and we'll see where it lands. But yeah, that was my story and that's how I got started. I feel like that story is a lot more common than maybe the advice that's given a lot about how you need to pick one format and stick with it. And that's what audiences want. Audiences want the same thing every single time. Mm -hmm. But if you look at every creator's story, most likely like they are not doing the format they yeah, with, right. Right. which exactly. is inspiring that like you can change in this career, even though it's all publicly documented. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? That's like, what's you can crazy. continue to change. Yeah. It's always being observed. And I think that's where, that's why it's hard to pivot sometimes because like you're putting yourself out on a limb if you try something new and right. then it flops and it's like, Oh, everyone's like, what the heck is this yeah. dude doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's he it's trying to be? Like, yeah. They're just like, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry oh, guys. Oh, he thinks he's that type of guy? <laughs> yeah. It's like an identity crisis whenever yeah, totally. you do that. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> You guys have he a similar... sees himself as an athlete. Oh, we, def- <laughs> we definitely have that story. Right, uh, yeah. For sure. I mean, we just actually, there was a, a moment from Mr. Beast's mo- uh, most recent Reacts video mm-hmm. where he's just like watching these house tours yeah. and all of a sudden he comes to this house and then Colin and I jump in the pool at that house and he goes, 
Is that Colin and Samir? <laughs> All right, we get it. You got a long house. Is that Colin and Samir? When did Colin and Samir do house reviews? And that's an actual video we made where we like reviewed staying in like a luxury wow. house. I mean, just over a year ago. Yeah, like, like, not that not long, long ago. ago. Yeah, that's and recent. I was like, whoa, we've come so far from yeah. just like testing a format that we were like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Right. There's so many different iterations of us on the internet that mm -hmm. have gotten us to this these seats right here. Totally, yeah. It's a, it's something that I think is a, a unique struggle of creators. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also necessary to like right. ask yourself, who am I? Mm -hmm. Because if, if you just like stop putting pressure on yourself to be one type of way that that was previously successful, then you could actually find your mm -hmm. your full potential potentially, potentially. <laughs> so for you, potentially you, full potential. Where do you think you are right now on your 30-day journey? Uh, this video is going to come out on June 6th. Where do you think you are? Hopefully, Oklahoma. 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 Okay. okay. Like, hopefully. I don't know. I think that uh, the really cool thing, and this is a fun part for me to plug, any, any brands, if you're watching, um, if anyone donates $50,000, I have to start back to a penny. Like, that's the incentive. Oh, my so, gosh. I, I actually shouldn't stay in Los Angeles the entire time and try to save money for a right. flight to North Carolina because I could be on day 20, like I'm about to go buy my ticket and then someone donates 50 grand. I'm like, I have to start over. <laughs> so oh, wow. I want to try to get as far as I can along the way cool. to mm. prevent that from happening. So hopefully Oklahoma, maybe, maybe I speed run it straight to North Carolina. We'll see. But any brands, if you guys are interested in donating, uh, it's for a great cause. $1 is 10 meals. And Amazing. Yeah. Be great. Amazing. Wow. Can't wait to watch. Awesome. Well, Can't wait to do it. We will <laughs> definitely be making a donation, and that's very interesting incentive. That's awesome. 50K to make you start over. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty high. Very, very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, good luck. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, Samir. Can't wait to see what the world of YouTube looks like when you're done with this 30-day series. <laughs> I think it's going to look very different. Wow. Yeah. I appreciate that, Samir. Yeah. Colin, this has been a blast. Thank you, Ryan. Dance after this. We'll dance. Yeah, yeah let's Harry cool. Styles? Yes. All right, let's okay. dance to Harry Styles. Cool. Amazing. Right. See ya. Amazing. Yes! That's yes. so fun. That's good. Woo! Yes, that's so fun. Woo!